Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. If you claim Christ, if you claim the Bible is your constitution, you need to know this. It is calling you to put your hand to the plow and work hard. That's what the Bible teaches. We've got to work. We've got to be the best workers in the company, not for self-aggrandizement, not for our own promotion, but because God calls us to be hard workers. Ever heard of the online trend called quiet quitting or other life hacks for working less and getting paid more? While these fads are popular on social media, they're antithetical to a biblical worldview. The Bible describes two types of workers, the hard worker and the sluggard. And today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares encourages Christians to work hard because you're really working for God. I'm your host, Dave Drewy, and now here's Pastor Mike with a message called Strategic Rest and a Godly Work Ethic. Well, believe it or not, I used to be a shoe salesman, of all things. Yeah, I sold shoes on Bellflower Boulevard in Long Beach at the Los Altos Shopping Center, a little place called Standard Shoes. Do you remember that place? Some of you remember that place? I'll tell you, I saw a lot of bunions and hammer toes and toenail fungus. I'm like a glutton for punishment, then I moved to Chicago and I took a job at Chandler Shoes on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago. And let me tell you, Chicago feet, they're worse than Southern California feet. I don't know, the salt, the snow, I don't know, but it's, it's not good. I remember my first job, my very first job was uh, cleaning picnic tables and bathrooms at, uh, at, at a park. And, and that's always a defining moment for a young kid. You know, you get your, your first paycheck and you know, that was a big deal. One of my worst jobs, one summer I worked digging uh, trenches actually. I never worked that kind of job. Digging trenches and, and, uh, and installing wooden posts that I had bathed in uh, creosote. That was a stinky, awful job. In college, I worked at a security desk, and I thought this would be a good job uh, on the college campus there uh, because they had a, a slot that was open that was uh, from like 11 o'clock at night until 7 in the morning, the graveyard shift. I thought, well, that'd be a good quiet time to get a lot of study done. <laughs> oh, that was hard. You worked the graveyard shift before? Uh, tough. That's tough. My first job at a church uh, was as the janitor. I was the lowest ranking janitor uh, at the church, cleaning Christian toilets. That was my, my job. Now, I had cleaned secular toilets, uh, and Christian toilets were just a little bit worse, I discovered. Then I uh, was employed at the church as a youth pastor and as a college pastor. I was employed for a while as an associate pastor, and for the last 20 years, I've been employed as a, uh, as a senior pastor. Uh, Believe it or not. Well, you can believe it because you've seen me do that. Well, that's a bit of my work resume. You've got yours. We could all open the mic and everybody can talk about you know, what, what they've done and what they do because it's, it's really the thing that uh, defines us in many ways. It is the thing that we will spend the most time on than any other thing in our, in our lives. We, we will spend our, most of our lives pouring our lives out in our work, in our vocation. 
I mean, it really, in many ways, reflects our character. And in a lot of ways, if you're a Christian, I mean, in a primary way, it is the primary playing field on which your Christian life is lived out. I mean, it is important. This is a, a, a central component of your life. Now, in the olden days, uh, if you were going to take a job, you would learn about your vocation through the practical coaching of your parents because most kids took on the family business and moved it into the next generation. And, and, and that was a, a good thing. It's unfortunate that it didn't happen too much anymore because that's when parents got involved in imparting more than just technical proficiency on the job. They, good parents, at least, they cared about not only that you could do the job, but that you could do the job well. I mean, they cared about Christian parents, that you would be godly and that you would, you would really reflect good, godly Christian virtues on your job. And, and that was important. But most of us don't have that advantage. And with America really leading in the deterioration of the family, there's not a whole lot of parental wisdom being handed down to kids anyway. And that makes it hard. But enter the book of Proverbs, the 20th installment in God's inspired library. And it is chuck full of practical wisdom on how to go about the thing that we will spend most of our waking hours doing, our jobs. And thankfully, the book of Proverbs gives us so much on this topic, it's hard to turn the page in Proverbs and not see something about how to do our work, regardless of what our work is. It is what Christians have come to call the Christian work ethic. Remember that old phrase? Not used much anymore, unfortunately, because there's not much of it around anymore, it seems. As a matter of fact, as I read uh, different articles or blogs or websites, it's not uncommon for me to see the phrase, I would never hire a Christian. Because for some reason, it seems, not only do they not like a lot of things about what we believe, but it seems like at least Christianity has not produced the kind of workers that it used to produce. And so it's time for us to recover some of this parental wisdom, which is the setting of the book of Proverbs, of what it is to work on our jobs the way God calls us to, with a Christian, a distinctively biblical work ethic. And if you've never done this kind of study in the book of Proverbs, it is critically important. And I've heard a lot of sermons about a lot of things, but I don't think I've ever heard a sermon quite like this, which is, let's go through the book of Proverbs, which is supposed to be divinely inspired parental wisdom being handed down to kids, sons, if you will, which teaches us how to do our work in a distinctively biblical way. And so let us create this morning a biblical work ethic, distinctively from the book of Proverbs. I know some Sundays you may be intimidated because we're always flipping around to all kinds of passages and some of you are reluctant to grab your Bibles because I might turn you to Nahum or Zephaniah or something and you'd be you know, embarrassed because it'd take you a while. Well, here's the deal. We're going to stay in the book of Proverbs all morning, so it's easy. So if you can find that, and I know you can, because it's a bit next door neighbor, the book of Psalms is so big. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, and let us start to assemble in our thinking a Christian work ethic, which we cannot afford to ignore, because it is the thing that is just so primary in our lives that we've got to learn to do it in a biblical manner. And let's start with the anchor of a Christian work ethic, which we can find in Proverbs chapter 6. So turn to Proverbs 6. We'll stay in the book. And we'll try to piece together what this is all about. We'll spend the most time on the first point because it really is the anchor of a Christian work ethic. Take a look at this in verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Now, it's not much for diplomacy here. I mean, 
uh, sluggard, what's that all about? Well, that, that's one of the favorite words in Proverbs for someone who is, here's how it's put elsewhere in Proverbs, slack in their work. They're not quite as enthusiastic. They're not quite as, as diligent in their work as they should be. Consider her ways and, and be wise. Without any chief or officer or ruler, she, that is the ant, prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. They're working, they're busy, they don't have any little ants following around the other ants with a whip saying, keep, get to work. I mean, these ants are, they're industrious, they're busy, they're working. I never see them kind of laying out, catching some rays by the puddle. You know, they're, they're always moving about, carrying things, big things around, it seems. I mean, that's what the ant's all about. Number one on your outline, let's just, just, just inscribe on our outlines the anchor of a biblical work ethic. It is number one, that we work hard. We work hard. That we are known, if we are, are adopting a biblical perspective on our work, regardless of what our work is, is that we are working hard at it. We're busy, we're industrious, we're self-starters. And to invert that, here's the real you know, whipping boy of the book of Proverbs, next verse, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the lazy person. The person that just wants to lie around. Verse 9, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Oh, a little, here's the little slogan of the day. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Well, you want that? Well, then verse 11, then poverty will come upon you like a robber out of nowhere and want, unfulfilled desire, like an armed man. So you're never going to do what God wants you to do, what he's so apt to reward people for doing, if you are in any way half-hearted, lethargic, or lazy in your work. There's no place for it. And unfortunately, it is the epidemic problem and a growing epidemic in our country. It is why other nations, they mock us. It's why the premier of, of uh, what was it, Japan, who came out and said, oh, we know about those American workers. They're lethargic, lazy, and illiterate. Well, most of us can read, you know, but uh, they are onto something there. Even our own polls, the American Gallup poll, you know, they, they went out and they surveyed people and they said, uh, do you believe in working hard, right? 88% of the people on the survey said, yes, I believe in that. Everyone should work hard at their jobs, Okay. The follow-up question was, are you really working hard at your job? I don't know how they got honesty out of them, but only 16% said, yes, I'm working hard. I mean, that's a problem. And I'm thinking half of those are lying about it anyway, right? I mean, it's, it is hard for us to admit that really the, you know, if you want to quote de Tocqueville again, the greatness of our country Right? was built not only on the, on the biblical morality of our past, but in large part by a former generation's commitment to a Christian work ethic that has largely diminished, if not gone away in our day. We ought to be setting the pace. We are raising the bar. If you claim Christ, if you claim the Bible is your constitution, you need to know this. It is calling you to put your hand to the plow and work hard. That's what the Bible teaches. we got to work We've got to be the best workers in the company, not for self-aggrandizement, not for our own promotion, but because God calls us to be hard workers. 18.9 says, whoever is slack in his work, right? You're, you're a brother to one who destroys. In other words, you might as well just be a vandal or an arson. If you go to work and don't work hard at what you do, I mean, you're like one who, who's tearing things down. 
One more thing on this, and I can't neglect this because I see it so much, especially in the church for some reason. Turn to chapter 14. When it comes to hard work, when I talk about hard work, I'm talking about the worker who is willing to, note this carefully, to faithfully, consistently plod along in his work or her work and not be the kind of person that I find so often dreaming that they're that entrepreneur. They're going to go out there and the next big deal, if I can just get this deal to fall, then we'll have it. And I'm going to pass on doing that. I wouldn't want to flip burgers or work for the chain store. I, I, I got this big deal. It's going to come through. You know who I'm talking about. They're everywhere. And in the church, it seems they're growing. You know, those jobs are beneath them. They're going to go out there and make a fortune, and they know how they're going to do it. All I got to say is there's so many Proverbs that relate to this. How about 1423? Look at this. Talk about a a plotting, consistent, steadfast, faithful work ethic versus sitting around and, 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 and trying to plan out the next huge thing. Verse 23, in all toil there is profit. Just get to work, man. But mere talk, oh, it leads, it leads only to poverty. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way fire hose your entrepreneurial spirit, and some of you are, and you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people, and it's part of excuse making, that will pass on hard work because it doesn't pay enough. And it's not, you know, it, I, I'm kind of, should be on that. And they're reading the headlines all the time, looking at the people, the one in the trillion thing that, that hits it big, and they're always chasing something. One more on this, 2819. 2819. Proverbs 28, 19. Look at this one with me real quick. Verse 19 says, whoever, look at this, 28, 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of food. Get out there, till it, make it work. But whoever follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Right? Not plenty of food, not plenty of money. Not, no, that's not smart. So much in Proverbs about this. It's about hard work. I'm all for promotion, I'm all for creating things, I'm all for starting businesses, I'm all for that, but all I'm telling you is there's a lot of folks that spend their entire adult life chasing the next big deal when they need to be sitting down and earning an honest wage and letting God take their hard work and turning it into something. Hard work, it is the anchor and the central tenet of a Christian work ethic, and we all need to redouble our commitment to whatever it is that we do working hard. But you can say, well, a lot of people do that. There's a lot of people committed to working hard. Well, number two on your outline, this is what makes our work ethic distinctively theistic. The reason it is a Christian work ethic is found in passages like chapter 16, verse number three. Proverbs chapter 16, look at this one with me, would you? Very important verb here that starts this sentence that will help us kind of rethink how we go about our work. It starts with the object of our work, the audience of our work. Look at verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to... That, that some people think, well, that just means, you know, just kind of, okay, this is for you. That's not it. The, the, the Hebrew verb here that is translated commit is literally the word to roll, right? It is to take this object, this thing, and, and metaphorically speaking, roll it into another category, and the category is God, Commit my work. I'm going to turn my work over to the Lord. I'm going to move my my thinking about work into the, the arena of God. Number two, a Christian work ethic is about working for God, no matter who you work for. Even if you think you work for yourself and you're self-employed, whether your, your boss is a jerk, it doesn't matter. 
The Bible says when Christians work, their mind should be focused on the Lord. To quote the most familiar verse in all of Proverbs, turn to chapter 3 once you write that down. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We memorized this as kids, did we not? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, underline these next four words in verse 6. In all your ways. How many ways? All of them. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, the question is, do you acknowledge him only when you're singing worship songs and sitting through Sunday school or church? Or is it that really every day of the week you acknowledge the Lord in what you do? In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. And the Catholic Church did us a great disservice during the Middle Evil period in, in making a huge bifurcation in people's minds, and it was a travesty, between secular and sacred. And they said, well, these things over here, when a monk climbs up in a, in a mountain monastery, or you know, when a nun goes out there and re recites a prayer, or, or when a priest goes and does his thing, well, that's sacred work, and then everybody else is doing secular work, and, and that's not important. And that kind of disdain for secular and the preference of sacred began to re resonate in people's minds that if I'm not doing religious work, I'm not doing anything sacred. Praise God for the Reformation. And more than that, for the Puritans who came out of that Reformation and said, there is no sacred and secular, right? As a matter of fact, and here's how they put it, if your work is honest work, I mean, if you're not a pimp or a drug pusher, right, then your work is sacred to God because you can go about your work with a mindset to serve God. That's distinctively biblical and Christian, I mean, the New Testament, didn't Paul say that? Do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Everything, we, if you're in front of a, a screen with an Excel sheet or you're, you're selling, you know, uh, taupe pumps like I used to. These guys are going, what is that? It'd make me about seven bucks a sale. Uh, you know what? Whatever it is, if I can think, my goal here is to do this as unto the Lord. I've rolled over my occupation into the sacred arena this is no longer secular. This is, this is sacred. That'll change a lot about how I go about my work. But that reminds me, I'm not working for people. I'm working for God. I'm not working for myself. I'm working for God. I'm not working for this company. I'm working for God. That is not to say I don't care what they say. As a matter of fact, as we'll see later, that means I care deeply about what the earthly authorities say. But when it comes to my purpose for work, it is to serve God. William Tyndale, I mean, he's a hero in getting the Bible into the English language. Here's what he said, coming out of that Reformation you know, mindset, I mean, it really, uh, in many ways, a precursor to so much which would come later. Tyndale said this, is there a difference between washing dishes and preaching the word of God? Oh, oh, there is. But as it relates to pleasing God in the work, there is no difference at all, see? I mean, that was an important thing. Or to speak of reformers, how about Martin Luther? He said, when a maid cooks and cleans or does any other housework, because God's command is in it, right? Even such a small work must be praised as service to God, far surpassing the asceticism of the monks. What's the point? Well, God didn't command that, right? I know he, he had a, an issue with all things Roman Catholic, but the point is, if it's not commanded of God, not important. If God does command the things that we do, if you're bringing good to society, if what you're doing is a service for the good of, of community, then it's a sacred work. And you need to go about that work with a mindset fixated on God. Commit your work to the Lord. Number three, 
because we commit our work to the Lord, here's what happens. We do our work differently. Write it down, then we'll look at a couple of passages. Number three, we need to work excellently. That doesn't roll off your tongue very well, but we need to work excellently. Why? Because we're not working for men, we're not working for myself, we're working for God. And because of that, it changes the way in which I work. Turn to Proverbs 8, chapter 8. In chapter 8, wisdom is personified. Glance through the first 20 verses or so. I mean, here wisdom takes on in a poetic form a first-person singular set of pronouns. And he begins to speak. Look at verse number 22 about the Lord and his work, which, by the way, is the first person we meet in the Bible who's working God, right? He's working. It says in verse 22, the Lord possessed me, that is wisdom, at the beginning of, good words to underline, his work. God is a worker. That's how he was known. I know he could have spoken the words and the whole universe could have been created in, in, in six milliseconds, but instead he takes six days and then takes rest as though he needs to rest, right? All according to Exodus as a pattern for our work and rest because as he commissions even to Adam, he says, Adam, now it's time for you to get to work. He wants him to realize that this is what we do. To be godly is to reflect God in his work. And he goes on to talk about how beautiful everything is that God made, which we hear punctuated in Genesis 1 and 2, where he keeps saying after the end of his workday, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. You remember that, right? So drop down to verse 30. When I was beside him, wisdom still speaking now, right? Like a master workman. Right? I mean, a skilled worker, an excellent worker. And I was daily his delight. God delighted in doing things like a master workman with skill and excellent, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. <laughs> As David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The world declares the glory of God. What's the point? When God works, he does good work. He does excellent work. You want to be godly and work for God? God gets glory when we work like God. How does God work with excellence? You're listening to Focal Point. Today's message is titled Strategic Rest and a Godly Work Ethic. And Pastor Mike will be back in just a moment with an important announcement, so stay with us. Don't forget you can listen to this program or any of our previous messages anytime when you go to focalpointradio.org. At Focal Point, we're excited to see you become more like Christ each day as you listen and apply God's truth in your life. That's the reason we're here. And if you're ready to help bring this program to others who desperately need to hear God's truth, we invite you to become part of our team of Focal Point supporters by giving a special year-end donation. And when you give, we'll show our thanks by sending you this month's featured resource titled The Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible. It makes an excellent personal Bible study tool or a thoughtful gift. It's a top-rated Bible study for new and seasoned believers alike. The Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible delivers historical, cultural, and contextual insights so you can better understand Scripture. There are fascinating charts, graphics, and timelines to enrich your reading experience by highlighting the key events, themes, and applications found in each book of the Bible. So request your copy when you give a special year-end gift to Focal Point today by calling 888-320-5885 or you can donate online at focalpointradio.org. Now, before we wrap up, 
Here's Pastor Mike with a special announcement. Hi, Pastor Mike Fabar is here. In the summer of 2024, I'll be teaching the Bible on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. I want you to come with me. From August the 4th through August the 11th, 2024, we're going to discover the splendor of God's Word while we explore the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Join us for world-class dining, daily teaching, worship. It'll be an unforgettable experience. So don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska to learn more. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Get more information about how you can join Pastor Mike in Alaska at focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Well, I'm your host, Dave Drury, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for part two of a practical message from Pastor Mike Fabares called Strategic Rest and a Godly Work Ethic. That's coming up Wednesday right here on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's word is truth. If you want to send me a question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.